Blog Talk Radio. Excited to get into that. Check us out on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Again, that is facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. You can also check us out on Twitter. Uh, if that's your thing, follow us at the Ken Reedy Show on the Twitter. Again, our handle on Twitter is at the Ken Reedy Show. And you can also check us out on our website, the Ken Reedy Show. Dot com. Again, that is the Ken Reedy Show dot com. Blogs, pictures, lots of great stuff over there on the website. So uh, check us out over there on the Ken Reedy Show dot com. You can also check us out on our creative venture that we're embarking on. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone out there who uh, continues to support 1640 PWPR. Uh, got wind, uh, I think, yesterday. Uh, memory's a little fuzzy right now, but it was yesterday that we just went over 30,000 listens on the network. It seemed like it took us uh, a while to get to 10,000, a little bit quicker to get to 20,000. With a blink of an eye, we're at 30,000 listens. Uh, this is a venture we started this year. Uh, it's basically, it's a network, man. It's, it's uh, you know, a bunch of different wrestling podcasts all on the same network. You head on over to iTunes. Just do a search, man. It's easy. 1640 PWPR. You put that in in your search bar right there. It'll come up. You hit subscribe. You can subscribe for free. And then you got access to all these great shows. Our show is on there. Uh, uh, That Image Guy, Blading for Truth, uh, King Firehawk, all sorts of great shows. Uh, So it's cool, man, because you get on there, you subscribe to 1640, and then you get like a bunch of different opinions. I'll tell you right now, we don't all agree on stuff going on in the world of pro wrestling. So, and you want to get these things from different points of view. It's important, important 
to get a global view of what's going on in the world of pro wrestling. Um, so head on over to iTunes, subscribe to 1640. You listen to our show and a, a mess of great shows over there. And again, those of you who support, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. 30,000 listens. That's uh, that's pretty damn cool. So uh, with that being said, we got a lot to get into this evening, lots to talk about. So without further ado, let me get my tag team partner on the line. Dave, how you doing this evening? I am singing the post-World Series blues, unfortunately, <laughs> due to the loss of our beloved Amazings from Flushing, the New York Mets. Yeah, man, it's tough. I, mean, I don't know if you guys could hear it in my voice uh, today, but uh, lots of lots of yelling at the television set, uh, you know, every night just, just screaming at the TV, hoping that uh, Cespedes or, or Murphy could actually hear me through the TV. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty hoarse today, hoping to, to get through the show. So I apologize if uh, the voice is hard to listen to. But, yeah, it was tough, man. It was, uh, you know, the, the Mets, I mean, I'm trying to be philosophical. And it's a great season. No one expected them to be here. So uh, to get to a World Series was great. But, man, you know, it's something about it. And, and those of you, who, I, I mean, some fans will get it. Some fans, especially other fans in New York, won't. Um, but this team, man, they figure out new and interesting ways to break your heart. They just they rake you over the coals, the sports fan, and a tough way to go down. But uh, I'm optimistic about the future, Dave. Absolutely, they got they got some bright young talent on that team, um, and uh, I, I see nothing but good things moving forward for the organization. But this is a professional wrestling talk show because we are the best in pro wrestling talk. And I'd like to get into some pro wrestling talk and forget about these post-World Series blues that I've been crying since late last night. Well, you know, and, and honestly, professional wrestling uh, at its core, as, as a fan, uh, best part about it, it's, it's, an, it's a nice distraction. Wrestling is a fun distraction. You're supposed to have fun. You're supposed to enjoy pro wrestling. So, uh I agree with you, Dave. Let's get past the blues and get into some pro wrestling. And, uh, you know, I kind of hinted at it at the top of the show. Uh, it is Survivor Series month. Uh, last of the, quote, big four over the course of the calendar year. Uh, you know, you have your traditional Survivor Series matches over the past few years. This pay-per-view has become more of just a... Just another pay-per-view with maybe a traditional Survivor Series match thrown in. But uh, a lot of history surrounding this pay-per-view. A lot of of fun historical events have happened. And, you know, Dave, I know this was your idea. 1640 has decided to kind of embrace the history of the Survivor Series and uh, have some fun with it looking back into all the Survivor Series of yesteryear. Well, thank you very much, Ken. For those of you listening out there, our show, along with several other shows under the 1640 PWPR umbrella, we each month formulate a power rankings of the top five wrestlers in the industry today amongst all of the shows. And what we do is, and we'll give you a, we'll, we'll take a sneak peek behind the curtain for just a minute here. Each show will give their list of their top five. And then from all those lists, we will formulate who's got the most votes in each list and then make, and then we'll start forming the overall 1640 PWPR power rankings list. 
this month I decided to do things a little bit differently with the permission of our uh, you know our head of 1640 PWPR, Mr. King Firehawk Pat Crowley, and I decided to do a 1640 PWPR Survivor Series power ranking. Now what we did was is we took every single show under the 1640 umbrella and we had them compile their top five or their five favorite Survivor Series elimination matches, be it the four-on-four, the five-on-five, or the ten-on-ten. We'll get to that in a minute. And we gathered up all the votes to give to you our power rankings of our five classic Survivor Series elimination matches. However, there's a twist. You see, in doing the tallying up of the votes earlier, before I came on the air, I saw that we were in a little bit of a tiebreaker here. Some shows had voted for the same matches, and we need to tie. We need to break this tie up a little bit here. So what we're going to do tonight here on the Ken Reedy Show is for you guys calling out there or you guys listening, you can either call in with your votes or head on over to the Ken Reedy Show Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show to vote for the fifth and final match in the 1640 November Survivor Series Power Rankings. Now, hold that thought for a moment here because I'm going to give you the four matches so far on the 1640 PWPR Survivor Series Power Rankings for the month of November. In no particular order, of course. From 2001, Team WWF was captained by The Rock. Joining him was The Undertaker, Kane, Chris Jericho, and The Big Show as they battled Team Alliance, captained by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Joining him, Kurt Angle, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, and Shane McMahon. From 1991, a Ric Flair-led Survivor Series team with the Warlord, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and the Mountie squared off against Captain Hot Rod, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, the British Bulldog, Virgil, and Intercontinental Champion, Breath the Hitman Hart. From 1990, the Warriors, captained by World Wrestling Federation Champion, the Ultimate Warrior, teaming with Intercontinental Champion, the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, and the WWF Tag Team Champions, the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, taking on the Perfect Team, captained by Mr. Perfect, and all three members of Demolition, Axe, Smash, and Crush. From 1987, Hulk Hogan, Bam Bam Bigelow, The Rock, Don Morocco, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, and Ken Patera faced off against Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, The One Man Gang, Ravishing Rick Rude, and The Natural, Butch Reed. Those are four matches. We need a fifth one. So by doing all the tallying up of the votes, like I said to you earlier, I realized we're in a little bit of a three-way tie here. So if you go on the Facebook page right now, you can vote or call in later, like I said. One of these three matches will fit the fifth and final spot in the 1640 PWPR Survivor Series Power Rank. From 1988, the 20-man tag. Demolition captained the team with the Bolsheviks, the Conquistadors, the Brain Busters, and the Rougeau Brothers. I believe it was the Rougeau Brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was the Rougeau Brothers. As they took on a team captained by the Powers of Pain, Warlord and the Barbarian, they were joined with the Rockers, the British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation, and the Young Stallions. 1989, the Hulkamaniacs, Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Demolition took on the Million Dollar Team of the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Zeus, 
and the powers of pain. And the third and final match that you could vote for to round out the top five Survivor Series power rankings is from 2003. Team Austin versus Team Bischoff. Stone Cold, it was for control of Monday Night Raw. Stone Cold Steve Austin had a team of Shawn Michaels, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, and the Dudley Boys. as They took on Bischoff's team with Chris Jericho, Christian, Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, and Randy Orton. So head on over to the Facebook page or call us right now at 347-838-9815 to vote for the fifth and final Survivor Series power ranking, team, power ranking match. And, like I said, I told you to hold that thought. Well, the night of Survivor Series, November the 22nd, the Ken Reedy Show does our usual Survivor pay-per-view pregame show. That will be the night of Survivor Series. You can vote on the 1640 PWPR Facebook page starting tomorrow on what is the greatest classic Survivor Series elimination match based off of those 1640 PWPR Survivor Series power rankings that I've discussed. So call in tonight, go on Facebook, on the Ken Reedy Show Facebook page, and vote for one of those three matches, Team Austin versus Team Bischoff, the 20-man tag with teams captained by Demolition and the Powers of Pain, and in 1989, Hulkamaniacs against the Million Dollar Team. Good stuff. I mean, I, I love like when you, you get to you know you do stuff like this, and, and we're gonna try and figure out like what is the greatest uh, Survivor Series uh, elimination tag match of all time. And uh, you know, it's interesting because this is a pay per view day that is is pretty rich in history um, that is seemingly fallen off over. Uh, the last decade or so. I mean, it, it's interesting when we when we go through uh, the matches that were picked. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but out of all the matches that you mentioned, the uh, potential matches and matches that made it, the most recent was uh, Austin uh, Team Austin versus Team Bischoff from 2003. So you're talking, I mean, yeah. 12 years ago is the most recent match uh, mentioned as a potentially being the greatest uh, Survivor Series elimination tag match of all time. Uh, you know, we've talked about it on the show. We'll see how this year's uh, Survivor Series uh, plays itself out. But I would really like to see them continue to uh, move in a direction where, I, I mean, personally, I would have the entire pay-per-view uh, be Survivor Series elimination tag matches. Uh, if you want to throw in a WWE title match and then all the rest of them are, I'd be fine with that too. But uh, I, I'd like to see Survivor Series get back to having more of a unique feel to it, uh, I think it's lost it over the past few years. I totally agree with you. I mean, I would say the last decade or so, if not even longer, um, that it's kind of really lost its, its luster and, and that original feeling that it had when, you know, when I was growing up watching it and seeing the different types of guys that were teaming together, the different units and combinations of, of guys that you never thought you would see team together or face each other potentially in these matches made the made the event so unique you know teams of five or teams of four strive to survive to to to, to find out who is the sole survivor well, you know i totally agree with you one thing i would do is i would make them all survivor series matches on the pay-per-view and maybe even leave a wwe championship match one concept that i thought that they really could have capitalized on more um well actually two concepts mike ferraro brought it up on the show last week when he called in uh, the wild card concept, where you kind of mix like the baby faces and the heels with each other. I thought the build up to that match in 1995 um, was pretty interesting, which was actually on the Ken Reedy Show's list 
Um, that year it was Shawn Michaels, Psycho Sid, the British Bulldog, and Ahmed Johnson facing off against the team of Razor Ramon, Dean Douglas, Owen Hart, and Yokozuna. Uh, and the interesting thing about that match was at the time, um, Jim Cornette, who was managing Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog, had competitors on both teams. So Cornette's loyalty at the time was in question. And, of course, you know, the unpredictable nature of a psycho Sid. You had Ahmed Johnson as a newcomer. Razor Ramon was kind of an island left to himself being on that team with Owen and Yoko and Dean Douglas. It made for a pretty cool buildup heading into that match. That's one concept I think that WWE could capitalize on and, and use that as a part of their build-up towards Survivor Series. Another thing that they that I think would be really cool was another concept that they didn't capitalize on was in 1990 you had the grand finale match of Survival. And that's one match that actually made it on uh, the Image Guy, Joe Image's list. It was the million-dollar man captaining a team with the entire Visionaries team of Rick Martel, Power and Glory, and the Warlords against a team captained with Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, and Tito Santana. A five-on-three Survivor Series elimination match. The grand finale match of Survival. So the Survivors of the winning matches went on at the end of the night to compete to see who was the, the sole survivor. I think that would be another cool concept that WWE could bring back and really build Survivor Series and give it its own identity that it's needed for such a long period of time. Um, fans want it. Fans yearn for it. Let's face it. I don't think the young. I mean, I don't think the younger fans necessarily, but the older fans that still watch the product. I think there's an overwhelming amount of fans that want to see this concept come back and be a regular part of the show and not just be one or two matches on the card. Um, per- personally, that's how I feel as well with that overwhelming majority. So these are just some ideas that have, you know blown across my head in regards to Survivor Series. Something that I mean, Survivor Series needs a good kick in the ass, in my opinion to really stand out and not just seem like a regular pay-per-view on WWE's, uh, you know, pay-per-view roster anymore. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I don't understand about, you know, the WWE and and what they've done over the years as far as, uh, you know, the uh, what they've done with Survivor Series, and they really have. They turned it into, you know, just another pay-per-view. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Survivor Series – Royal Rumble is always going to be Royal Rumble. I mean, Rumble is is great. Um, you know, it's it just it's unique. WrestleMania is always going to be WrestleMania. The showcase of the Immortals. Um, I, I think over the past few years they've done a decent job at really, uh, even though it's it's just kind of a you know it's not a gimmick pay per view, but they've done a lot to build up SummerSlam again. That SummerSlam is the WrestleMania of the summer. They've really made it. A, a a big special event, and then there's Survivor Series, and the one thing that you know that you see time and time again, and and you know it, it kind of bugs me because I feel like it's an easy fix. You find this lull in WWE programming every year around this time of year, um, and it's frustrating as a fan. I mean, I get it for whatever reasons in in, in the back and creative, and you know I'm sure the WWE has a good reason why. There's a lull during this time of year, whether it's it's football season, so they don't want, you know, the viewership that they're losing. They don't want significant things to happen. Those people don't. I mean, I don't know what the hell it is. But I just think creatively speaking, it's easy. It's easy. It's just easy writing at that point. Like, if you need to, 
take some time off and just like, you know, for lack of a better term, dumb it down for the writers. You have Survivor Series. You got pick a bunch of captains. They got to pick their teams. Each week on Raw, you can have guys that are, you know, like you said, Dave. Maybe if it's not like on on the actual, um, you know, maybe have wild card matches on on um on Raw to to determine captains of a team. Uh, you know, whatever you you have uh, the authority picks and chooses their captains. Uh, you know, uh, other people have to earn their captainship. Um, it just to me, it just it, it would be easy for them to write towards Survivor Series if they were having Survivor Series matches. Uh, you know, find a bunch of captains and each and every week have them you know picking teams or matches to determine teams. I, I just think it would make the fall uh, a lot better. Uh, you know, as far as WWE programming, it would give Survivor Series some juice. It would make it unique. Uh, it would give the build to Survivor Series, uh, again, something very unique and different. Uh, you'd be seeing something over the course of the fall that you don't really see on WWE programming throughout any other part of the year. So it just to me, it would just make sense to do it in that way. I just, I, I'd be curious, Dave, to actually sit down and just, Pick someone's brain in charge of the WWE and just there's, there's got to be a reason, but I'm just curious why why they've they've all but eliminated. I mean, it, and, and there's been over time uh, talk of perhaps you know eliminating Survivor Series altogether, that not eliminating a pay per view, but calling it something different. Um, it, it's just a shame when again when you look back on the rich history of this pay per view and. Uh, you know, it's it's just not right. It's not right there anymore, Dave. Yeah, you know, it is really strange. I mean, they've been they they. It seems like, from what I understand, from what I've read, the WWE has had a love hate relationship um, when it comes to the Survivor Series pay per view and branding it over the years. Um, you know, they they really stopped doing the concept of the all Survivor Series elimination matches in 1992. There was only one four-on-four Survivor Series elimination match on that pay-per-view. The Nasty Boys and the Natural Disasters against Money Incorporated and the Beverly Brothers. And then they just kind of like threw it in there here and there. Um, they added, you know, some title matches. And then it just became less and less over the years. Um, and then they would bring it back and make it a big focal point of the show. But then it wasn't a focal point the following year. Um, it, it's really strange. Um, I've heard some reports, too, like you said, that there had been talk of them dropping Survivor Series as a pay-per-view altogether, which I think would just be dumb to begin with. Um, I remember reading a transcript of a, um, a conference call of the, uh, the, the, the quarterly earnings that WWE, you know, does, they do their quarterly conference calls, talk about what they earned and what they've lost over the, over the, the, the quarter of the year. And so one of the, one of the questions I remember reading a few years ago was uh, branding pay-per-views and, uh, you know, the, the drop in, in pay-per-view buys and uh, and stuff like that. And there was talk of dropping Survivor Series at that time. And they had said that they had considered it, and somebody had asked them about um, why not branding it as the, you know, the, the, the fall classic uh, with the elimination matches, the four-on-four, the five-on-five. And um, I think Vince responded with, um, we don't want to brand – we don't want a lot of themed pay-per-views in our roster – or in our calendar, it just kind of dumbs it down or waters down the concept. At the same time, they have a Money in the Bank pay-per-view where you're guaranteed to see Money in the Bank ladder matches. And 
TLC pay-per-view where you're going to see tables, ladders, and chairs matches. There's a Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. There's a Royal Rumble you're going to see. I mean, it seems like a good po- elimination chamber at that time. There were so many different pay-per-views that were themed. What, what would have made it a difference if you did Survivor Series with all classic Survivor Series elimination matches? So I have a feeling they're going to keep the concept around, um, but it won't be as big of a focal point. Maybe once Triple H is more in charge creatively over the years because he's, he's one of those guys that he's a traditionalist and he likes to bring a lot of old-school aspects of the business into today's current product, maybe we'll see a Survivor Series pay-per-view um, which there's all classic Survivor Series elimination matches. Um, who knows? But I, I'm, I'm in favor of keeping the concept and making it a huge focal point of that pay-per-view. And it's weird because the thing is when, when you – and you bring up an excellent point with the other themed pay-per-views. I, I'd be more inclined to get rid of that. I love the Money in the Bank briefcase match. I don't think there needs to be a pay-per-view called Money in the Bank. I, I like the Money in the Bank match at uh, you know, at, at WrestleMania. Uh, I, I just don't think it's necessary to have a pay-per-view uh, uh, called Money in the Bank. I just don't think there is. Um, you know, the other thing – and. Uh, I think Dave, you'd brought it up once. Uh, Hell in a Cell. Uh, I don't like that as, at all as a themed pay per view because Hell in a Cell should be random. Hell in a Cell is a match that, uh, because of its sheer brutality, it, it's a blow off. So it's when a feud uh, be, you know gets to its heated apex, uh, you 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 blow off in a Hell in a Cell. When you have a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, it just... And I get it, like, if kayfabe's not dead, it's 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 on life support, you know. Um, but it, it to me, like, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view is, all right, we're writing stuff uh, to make sure... You know where it is on the calendar year, so you know that some big feud is going to have to, you know, blow it off uh, come that, that night at Hell in a Cell. Uh, I like the... And that, that challenge is not shocking anymore because you know... Hell in a Cell is coming up, so when someone says on Monday Night Raw, I challenge you, uh, you know, our next match is going to be Hell in a Cell, it's not as shocking because you know there's a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view coming up, so there's got to be at least a couple of Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, when you have, when you eliminate like a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, then it, it comes out as a shock. You know, you can stick in uh, that type of match anywhere over the course of the year, and, and it, it's, it's more... Uh, sudden it's it's more uh, exciting um it, it's more shocking when someone comes out and challenges them to a hell in a cell match so if you were going to if you're going to look in, in philosophically and say well uh you know not too many themed pay-per-views over the course of the year uh when i look at what you could do as far as unique wwe programming with survivor series i'd be more inclined if you want to get rid of that, that idea of a themed pay-per-view I'd be more inclined to get rid of Money in the Bank uh, or Hell in a Cell as, as a pay-per-view uh, and go back to a traditional Survivor Series match. I mean, match uh, a pay-per-view. I, I mean, who knows? Who knows? And I, hopefully, Dave, we do see that. Hopefully, Triple H is the guy to move back into uh, that traditional uh, kind of feel. I mean, even you know, last week on Monday Night Raw, we're gonna have to get into what happened last week. But even that feel of you know, we were talking about the wild card match, you know, that it almost had that feel last week a little bit with the uh, 
you know, the winners from the pay-per-view the, the night before battling and then the, the randomness of who's going to be in that fatal four-way at the end of the night, you know. I I don't know. I just I like that idea that, you know, even if you did something, you know, setting up for Survivor Series and rather than it being a uh, a fatal four-way uh, match for the number one contendership, if everything that happened last week, the final four guys standing, wound up being a Survivor Series team and, you know, you don't know whether they're going to get along or not. I just think it, it, it really just would make for really much more unique programming uh, on WWE television. 347-838-9815, that is the number to call. We want to hear from you. Uh, we want to know your favorite Survivor Series elimination tag matches of all time. Let us know uh, what that is, what your favorites are. We're going to discuss the history a little bit. We want to discuss the current product, what's going to happen tonight on Monday Night Raw. Uh, what did you think of last night's, last week's Monday Night Raw and everything that transpired? We have a new number one contender for the WWE Championship. we got to get into that. But first, it is time now for the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Before I go into the Day 5 50-50 News Report, head on over to the Ken Reed Show Facebook page right now and vote for the fifth and final slot in the 1640 PWPR Survivor Series Power Rankings. Those matches are Team Austin versus Team Bischoff from 2003, the Hulkamaniacs versus the Million Dollar Team from 1989, and the 20-man tag from 1988, Demolition, the Rockers, the British Bulldogs, Young Stallions, and the Hart Foundation against the Powers of Pain, the Rujo Brothers, the Brain Busters, the Bolsheviks, and Los Conquistadors. By the end of tonight, one of those matches will be the fifth and final match in the Survivor Series 1640 Power Rankings. And good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Dave Five, brought to you in part by 1640 PWPR, Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio Network, the new evolution in professional wrestling podcasts. Search 1640 on iTunes right now and subscribe for free to hear the most informative pro wrestling talk going today. That being said, let's get into tonight's stories. It was announced this week that current TNA wrestling star Kurt Angle has signed a contract to work for the Bellator MMA group. Before the announcement was made public by Angle and Bellator via Twitter, the scuttlebutt online suggested Angle would be signing with the group to compete in a sanctioned MMA bout with MMA legend and former WWE star Ken Shamrock. As of right now, Angle's role in the organization is unknown at this time. Some suggest Angle could take on the role of a color commentator, but that's only speculation. Angle has stated publicly that after January 2016, he's leaving TNA and pro wrestling altogether to take a much-needed break from the business to spend time with his family and heal from past injuries. Speaking of TNA, former co-founder of TNA and the father of Global Force Wrestling founder Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett has announced he's returning to professional wrestling. In what capacity? Who knows? Jarrett stated on his official Facebook page that although his plans are in the early stages, he has attorneys drawing up contracts and to stay tuned for more information. PW Insider speculates that Jerry is back on speaking terms with son Jeff and a role in Global Force Wrestling is possible. They also speculated that Jerry Jarrett could be involved in the new promotion out of Las Vegas called Classic Wrestling Revolution, the same group that plans on hiring legends such as Terry Funk and Jake the Snake Roberts to teach young talent the old school aspects of the business, as well as giving wrestlers benefits and setting them up with pensions. 
As of this writing, Jarrett has still not revealed his plans, and this is all pure speculation. On the topic of Jake the Snake Roberts, see in the business, that's what we like to call a segue. The highly publicized documentary, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts, has been submitted for consideration for the 2016 Oscars. Entertainment Weekly reports that a total of 124 films have been submitted for the documentary category. The list will then get cut down to 15 films in December, and then an announcement will be made live on January 14, 2016, announcing the final five Oscar nominees. Stay tuned. The Young Bucks made some noise this week, as they always seem to do, but this time not in the ring, but behind the curtain, as they publicly announced that they have signed a new contract to work exclusively with Ring of Honor. Sort of. The Bucks did state that they were also allowed to work for Southern California indie promotion Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, as well as New Japan Pro Wrestling, who is currently involved in a working relationship with Ring of Honor. The team had told promoters recently that they weren't taking any bookings past mid-October in hopes of a guaranteed deal with an organization would be finalized by them. It's being speculated that TNA, Lucha Underground, and even WWE NXT all were in some form of discussions with the popular tag team. The deal for the Bucks is for over a year with a guaranteed salary working less dates than their regular indie schedule, but allegedly making the same amount of money, if not more. Something even WWE couldn't promise to take the team according to the Wrestling Observer. And in our final story this week, a sad piece, if you will, as a very important part of professional wrestling history will become no more in 2016. According to the Detroit Free Press, there are definite plans to demolish the former Pontiac Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan, the former home of the NFL's Detroit Lions, but more importantly, the home of the record-making WrestleMania III. As it's been abandoned for many years now, with reports out stating Dome has been without a roof for some time, resulting in a stadium consisting of trash and debris. The parking lot seen from the freeway is also reported to be in terrible condition. No planned date of demolishing has been set as of this time. There you have it, folks. The only news report giving you the scoops that matter, the date 5-50-50. For a transcript of tonight's report, head on over to facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show or for the 1640 PWPR official Facebook page to catch any news that you missed. Let's kick off the second half of this show into high gear. Ken, take it away. That's very sad about the... Silverdome, that's 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 a bummer, man. Uh, it's uh, you know, you know, it's interesting as we talk about the the history of uh, Survivor Series and uh, going back. Uh, you know, I was I always you know as, as you get older and you look at things a little bit differently. You know, when you're caught up and you're young, you don't you know get everything that goes into it. But uh, you know, looking back on what WrestleMania three meant, um, looking at the WWE as a multi-billion-dollar um, corporation, entertainment corporation now, you know what they've become uh, as far as I mean, you know, entertainment, movies division. They have their own network. They got their, um, you know, it's pretty amazing. I mean, when you look at the WWE, it's like if you're if you're a sports entertainment guy. Fan, uh, you you can watch that, uh, watch Monday Night Raw, watch SmackDown if you're an indie person. Uh, you know you can watch NXT if you're uh, you like the behind the scenes stuff. You got the the breaking ground now. I mean it's like if you're a wrestling fan, 
the WWE has created a, a, a company where you really do not need to go anywhere else uh, to get your fix. And, uh, you know, to me, you can look back on that WrestleMania three as um, basically that defining moment where uh, uh, you knew that this company and what Vince McMahon was doing and the vision he had was uh, something pretty special. And, you know, you look in that, you know, hindsight, obviously there's the Monday Night Wars where maybe the, that uh, train could have been derailed. Uh, but that's, that's such a defining moment uh, in the history of not only the WWE, but uh, pro wrestling uh, in general. And, and, you know, just that the Hogan honor. I mean, the, the event in and of itself was great. Uh, Roddy Roddy Piper's quote-unquote retirement match, obviously uh, Macho Man versus Steamboat. And the biggie, Andre versus Hogan. And I, I always, you know, again, as an adult, when you look back on things, um, I, I really appreciate how they they marketed uh, Hogan, Andre. Um, the, the friendship uh, that uh, disintegrated Bobby Heenan in the middle of it, the, the build to, to uh, their friendship blowing up, and then them absolutely uh, uh, exploding at WrestleMania. But the fact that they used this, this feud... You know, and everyone looks back on Hogan Andre at WrestleMania three, um, and that's when they blew the doors off. But they used Hogan Andre uh, to facilitate creating Survivor Series. Uh, obviously, Andre later down the road takes the title off of Hogan at Saturday Night's main event, uh, which leads to the tournament, which helps uh, you know put over WrestleMania four as well. So the Hogan Andre thing went far beyond just one day, uh, but that's that defining moment in the. The Silverdome, and it's uh, you know it, it's such an important building that uh, Hogan at WrestleMania uh, 30 had no idea that he wasn't at the the Silverdome. He, he thought he was still at the Silverdome, uh, while in fact he was at the in the Superdome. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's sad when you see uh, things like that that are just uh, such a staple. And even right now, like as I'm talking about it, and I, I can I can just see in in my mind's eye like what that looked like when the camera like panned out from like an aerial shot and what it looked like to see, you know, that many people packed into an arena to see a wrestling event. It just, it just changed the landscape of pro wrestling, Dave. You know, I've told, I'm sure I've told this story many times on the show in regards to my experience with WrestleMania three. Um, but I'll quickly repeat it. My father took me to see WrestleMania three on a closed circuit, uh, television, movie theater, if you will. I think, in fact, I found out later years that it was actually a porno theater where you can go watch porno movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I felt pretty grossed out. But did you, did you put a plastic bag down on, on the seat when you sat down? Well, I was, see, the thing is, like, I was four years old, so I didn't know okay. this until I was probably, like, in my, in, in my 20s, and I felt skeeved out. I'm glad that, you know, I still didn't have the clothes that I wore that day, <laughs> probably because they outgrew me, of course, as, 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 you know, as is what happens in life. But anyhow, <laughs> on to the subject here. My father took me to go see it at a closed circuit. I'll just say movie theater. I won't really humiliate myself that much more. Um, and I felt like I was in that, like I really did, because it was in a movie theater, it was on a huge screen, and the stadium, just the the the... the the setup, the way it just looked, you know, the, 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 the lighting in the dome and how it went from daylight to night and the, the, just the whole thing. I just felt like I was actually in that stadium when I was watching it in that movie theater. It was, and it was loud. I was four years old, too, so it was, like, even more larger than life to me. Um, and uh, so, you know, that was a huge moment. Interesting story here that I want, you know, that kind of ties into 
what we were talking about earlier about Survivor Series, with that main event, how they marketed, you know, the, the Hogan and Andre opposing teams. Um, I've heard this story from a few different people. Jim Crockett, or I've seen the interviews. I haven't heard it personally, but I've seen or heard interviews or read transcript of interviews before. And, you know, there's always three sides to every story. Your version, my version, and the truth. Um, but a lot of what I've heard was was that in order to create to, to you know, Survivor Series almost didn't happen. And the reason why it almost didn't happen is because in 1987, the cable providers didn't want to put another wrestling pay-per-view on the calendar. They already had pay-per-views from Jim Crockett Promotions, and they already had WWF at the time with WrestleMania. WrestleMania was the only pay-per-view that was on their calendar. For whatever reason, they didn't want another wrestling pay-per-view, um, which I didn't see why not, because it was making them money. But anyhow... Vince McMahon convinced the cable companies and the pay-per-view providers to let them put another event on based on Hogan and Andre's involvement in that, on that particular show. They didn't want, like I said, cable providers and pay-per-view you know, satellite companies, they did not want another wrestling pay-per-view. And Vince said, let us do another pay-per-view. These are the numbers that we did with WrestleMania when Hogan and Andre headlined. Let us do a pay-per-view. Let us, you know, let, look let us do Hogan and Andre as the main event, some form of, of, of that match, whether it be a tag match or whatever. They will be the focal point of the show, and I guarantee you it will make just as much money or do good numbers like WrestleMania did. But you can't air Jim Crockett Promotions pay-per-views on your cable provider. And it just so happens the night of Survivor Series, Jim Crockett Promotions had a Starcade pay-per-view, and they were blocked out of a lot of pay-per-view providers because Vince cut a deal with all of them and said, air mine. Or you're not getting you air them. We're not going to air a pay per view ever with you guys. And WWF at that time was you know it was in the it was in that big boom period that rock and wrestling period. It was huge, and so they went with WWF. But it was based on the fact that Vince promised them that Hogan and Andre was going to be a huge focal point, the main story of the show. That's cool stuff. I love the, the history of this business. It's just you know. So many cool and interesting stories, and you see how things were built over time. And uh, yeah, I mean Hogan and Andre were, were a big thing, and, and they really, uh, you know, it's just amazing. I mean, who knew, Dave? I mean, who knew uh, at that point, you know, WrestleMania three, uh, that you know we'd be here, you know, uh, over thirty WrestleManias. Uh, it's it's incredible just to see what what's happened uh, to pro wrestling and, and how it's evolved, and then. How it just sucks now. <laughs> I kid, I kid. There's a lot of people out there that are thinking that. But let's get into, like, the current, you know, what's going on now. We were, you know, strolling down memory lane a bit uh, tonight's show. But uh, let's get into last week. And uh, I joke, but there's stuff, like, with, with wrestling now that I wish uh, philosophically, like we said with Survivor Series, they'd go back to a little bit of, yesteryear um but let's look at last week's monday night raw as we get set for uh that road to survivor series if you will and uh you know it's interesting there and, and, and there's a few things i want to talk about with with last week's monday night raw um I, I thought it was interesting that they went with um the winners of last night's pay-per-view it's uh, the night before the winners of hell in a cell are going to square off and we're going to get a fatal four-way, and out of that, we're going to get a number one contender. All right. You know, it's interesting. Interesting. 
kind of a unique format, kind of a unique way of doing things, uh, kind of out of left field. I don't necessarily know if it uh, made a tremendous amount of sense, but it was something different. Now, that's the positive side of it. You know, if you want to look at that, like I thought, all right, you know, it's something different. Uh, They're giving uh, credibility. They're giving uh, some credence to winning your match, uh, which I thought is a good thing. However, the gripe I had with that is the biggest winner at Hell in a Cell wasn't there. The biggest winner of the night was Brock Lesnar. So if you're going to set up a dynamic where the winners from the night before are going to wrestle to get a shot to be the number one contender, I mean, Lesnar wants his, wants his hands on that belt. The character Brock Lesnar. Uh, he wants to be in that title picture. Uh, so it was kind of a, again, a, I don't want to say it was bad, but it was, Maybe inconsistent as far as the storytelling there to go that route of the winners and, and Brock Lesnar's not part of that picture. Um, I did think I, I didn't need Roman Reigns necessarily to march down earlier uh, to confront the, the authority because it just became so abundantly clear uh, that Roman Reigns was going to be the number one contender. Uh, just it didn't add any sort of suspense to me. Uh, now that all being said, I thought they delivered on a kick-ass main event. And as much as I, I you know, let me go to Vegas and put money down on Roman Reigns because I, I didn't think there was any chance he wasn't winning that match. So as far as the suspense piece, it wasn't there. But those guys delivered on that main event. I thought it was a very, very entertaining main event, a very good. Monday Night Raw main event. I mean, I, to me, that was like a pay-per-view quality kind of main event. Uh, so I thought that aspect of, was good. So it, it, it was weird, Dave. Like last week, I looked at it, and I thought it was kind of a a bit of a mixed bag how they structured Monday Night Raw. I, the good thing was, I mean, you can be critical over the, the storytelling, but they delivered on a kick-ass main event. I can see what you're saying there, because, yeah, Brock Lesnar was one of the, the big winners. Um, however, um, if you... If you really nitpick, I, w- I wouldn't say nitpick, but if you really pay close attention and being a wrestling historian like you are, like I am, um, you'll know that if you remember back at Battleground, Brock Lesnar had a title match with Seth Rollins, and there was no clear-cut winner because Undertaker cost Brock Lesnar that match. He interfered. Therefore, Brock Lesnar was not pinned again. Therefore, Paul Heyman probably, you know, Paul, the Paul Heyman character Paul Heyman in general is a smart guy, but his character is so smart that he probably felt Brock Lesnar didn't need to go through all of those guys to earn an opportunity because he still had an opportunity at the title that he was never beaten for. So I'm sure that coming down the line when Brock Lesnar does return to TV, his intentions for the title, it may not be at WrestleMania, but his intentions for the title will be brought up um, based on the fact that he didn't lose at Battleground in July to Rollins. It was Undertaker that got involved. So I, I, I'm sure that that will be addressed at some point when Lesnar does return. But however, you know, and I tell you, let me, let me just say, I just want to address like that aspect of it, and I, I 100%, that makes sense. And you, you know what? A, a, a quick fix I think would have worked last week. And it's all, it's weird because like these guys, these part timers, like sometimes it's like when they disappear. They really disappear. 
I mean, they just yeah. don't want to like, make like much of a reference at all. To me, I would have. Why not have, you know, them announce what's going to happen? The winners of last night are going to to face each other for the number one contendership. Have Paul Heyman walk out and say, "My client Brock Lesnar is still owed a title shot, and he's not going to jump through any of your hoops." And when my client yeah. decides he's going to take that title away from you, he's going to be back and he's going to take it on his terms. Short, yeah. sweet. I mean, and we all know that, that makes- Heyman would do it a thousand times better than I just did. Yeah. But just to yeah. kind of put it out there, my client's not going to jump through hoops for you. My client's not here. He's not participating in this little mockery of a tournament that you have tonight. So when when he's ready, he's going to take that title. And to me, that that would have made complete sense. And, again, I wasn't crazy about Reigns coming down earlier. So eliminate Reigns from that, slot in Heyman, and then now it makes sense that, you know, a, a Lesnar's not part of it. I agree with you. They will probably, down the road a piece, Lesnar will, or Heyman, uh, will put out there his intentions on, on getting that WWE title back around his waist. Yeah, I mean, you know, your, your scenario that makes perfect sense. That'd be something that could work. I, I was not crazy about Reigns coming down either because I, I kind of knew at that point, like, all right, well, here you go. Yes, they are foreshadowing this, but you know, he's still got a tournament to go through. He would be, he, there, like there was no suspense. However, the match was great. The match really was good. With Ziggler and Owens and Del Rio, Del Rio. I mean, he looked phenomenal. Um, you know, in his showing in the match. All four guys did a great job. What I loved more than anything about that whole segment, that whole match itself, was the fact that Reigns went up to Rollins after the match. He he stared him down. He was very calm. He he he, he tapped the belt that was, you know, the, the belt was hanging off his uh, Rollins' shoulder. He tapped the belt, told him to keep it warm for him, and then he turned around and walked away, like very calm. Like, he, like, he wasn't sweating. I mean, he was sweating from the match, but he wasn't sweating Seth Rollins at all. And, you know, Good job with the announcers bringing up what Roman Reigns' character has gone through in 2015, um, from winning the Royal Rumble, getting some negative backlash from the audience, to going to WrestleMania, having to fight for his title shot against Daniel Bryan, to going to WrestleMania and getting that stolen from him by Seth Rollins, then having to deal with the stuff with the Wyatts. I mean, Roman Reigns, they've done a really good job at getting the audience to to pull for him and to cheer him and to and – to, be in his favor as opposed to earlier this year when everybody hated him for no reason. Now they've, now they've, they've built, I wouldn't say they've made Reigns an underdog, but they've made it believable for him to get back into title contention as opposed to him just kind of skyrocketing to the top like he did earlier this year. To me, it just seemed too soon, at least for me, but as, as a fan, but nonetheless, it's told a good story, and I'm actually looking forward to when they do have that match. Um, it's rumored to be Survivor Series, but who knows? They could change things up. But I, I really loved that part of the segment at the end where it was like, I got your number. I'm not going to worry about you right now. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. I mean, that, that's uh, the biggest insult that you could give. I mean, you you know, you get in a bar fight or you get in some sort of squabble with a, with a dude and you're, you know, you just turn your back on them. That's just the ultimate sign of disrespect, and, and I thought that whole segment worked really well. I agree. I thought the match was amazing. It was a really, you know, an incredible matchup. Um, I think you bring up a really good point. I mean, they've taken a guy, uh, and, and again, this is where, like, you know, guys out there, fans out there, I mean, it, it, it's fun. Look, we and we do it too. You, you can criticize it, but 
you, you got to sometimes look at the good and the bad. And, and there's been some bad. There's a lot of bad this, this time of year, often with the WWE. But you got to look at the things that they do well. You know, you can't just always be pissing and moaning. And as much as creative at times has, has been uh, lacking, uh, they've been able to take a guy like Roman Reigns, who, and, and you said, I mean, let's look at the 2015, the roller coaster ride that has been uh, Roman Reigns and been Roman Reigns' career over the course of 2015. I mean, a crazy year uh, for one single wrestler. And you have a guy who comes out of one of the most popular factions in recent memory, uh, comes out as, as the top guy. Um, you know, immensely popular, uh, crowds behind him. You know, he's one of those guys, he's got everyone behind him. And all of a sudden, there are those whispers, those whispers that the company wants him to be the top guy. Vince and Triple H have earmarked him to be the top guy. And then it's like, oh, well, no, no, no. If they want him, I mean, I liked him before, but if they like him, then no, 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 then, then he sucks. He didn't suck before because I was the only one like him. But now that, that I know that the, the, the hierarchy in the office like him too, well, now I have to hate him. And it just the, the absolute backlash with, with Roman Reigns. And, and what, what they've done, like, you know, psychologically speaking to, to the, uh, the fans, they've taken a guy who was, was earmarked, uh, you know, basically to be the man, uh, the guy that was – uh, for all intents and purposes, being the key, giving the keys to the kingdom. And when you take a guy like that, that's a guy who is favored. That's a guy who's getting all the breaks, so to speak. And they've been able to take a guy like that where the crowd was looking at him as a guy that was just being spoon-fed everything, and they've turned him into an underdog. Um, and I think you got to credit uh, – creative with being able to do that to being able to number one take a guy that looks like roman reigns and make him an underdog is impressive uh but it's a he's a guy now the character roman reigns is a guy that just keeps pushing forward that just keeps going through obstacles and you know at every given turn when it looks like this guy is finally going to do it he's finally going to make it to the mountaintop somebody screws him or something happens and he just he just can't seem to get it done but he keeps persevering every single time the guy is knocked down he takes on the next challenge and keeps trying to climb up that mountain that he's knocked down again he's he's that guy like it's like rudy you know it's it's rudy trying out for notre dame you know he goes out and he's he's denied and he goes back out on the field again and he's denied again but he he will not be denied and and i just think you got to look at what what the writing and creative have done to uh I don't want to say rebrand, but I guess pseudo rebrand, rebuild uh, Roman Reigns has has been pretty brilliant uh, because people are behind him now as an underdog, and you know they gotta now. It's the question is with the character, you gotta time it right when he finally goes over and wins that championship, and I do think that a WWE championship is in his future. Um, I think Seth Rollins has been brilliant as a top heel in the company. Uh, guys like uh, Rollins and, and Bray Wyatt have definitely done a lot to, to help this uh, rebuilding of Roman Reigns, and I, and I think it's been uh, it's been pretty well done. Uh, and and to be honest with you, Dave, and we'll see how this 
develops uh, if this championship match is, is at Survivor Series. Um, I think we're going to see another obstacle placed in front of Roman Reigns. I think it, it's going to there's going to be another something's going to happen where again he's going to be unsuccessful at getting that title. And uh, I, I think they've they've done a nice job right now in building him to a place where when he finally gets that championship. I don't want to say 100% because you're always going to have haters, but I think when he finally breaks through, you're going to have uh, the vast majority of the the crowd in that arena, wherever it happens to be, uh, popping for him. Oh, yeah, big time. I think think you will see a a good portion of that audience that will be behind him when that day comes. Uh, I mean, that's something that they wanted for him last year. Unfortunately, he was injured, and he was out for a few months. He was out for probably about three months, and I think that, I think as time was going on, he was injured for September of last year, didn't come back till December, so he was done for about a solid three months. I think in that three-month period, I'm sure the plan was was to, you know, keep going the course with him um, to eventually get him to winning the Royal Rumble and then the whole thing with Brock Lesnar. Um, I don't know if he was going to be the guy that was going to beat Lesnar, but I think that they had mapped it out and thought of that was going to that the reactions he was going to get was going to be a little bit different. But I think once he came back and he was shot right into the main event and you know into the top storylines and of course his the, the promo work he was doing was not the greatest. Of course, it wasn't lines he came up with. It was something that creative had forced on him. The audience started they smelled a rat. They knew it wasn't genuine and it wasn't the real Roman Reigns. And then that's when they turned on. Um, but needless to say. If you go back and you look after WrestleMania, um, you know, with, with that, that, that unbelievable ending to that pay-per-view with Rollins cashing in, you know, from that point forward, it's just been an uphill battle for Reigns' character. And they have done a great job of positioning him as somebody that just keeps clawing away, but there's an obstacle. I mean, let's start Big Show. Big Show was the first obstacle in his way. He had to beat him in a last-man-standing match at Extreme Rules. Pretty entertaining and fun match. You know that was that was that was one piece down. Then the next time he got he got a title shot, but it was with three other guys. Orton and Ambrose were involved in that same match along with Rollins. It was that four way of payback. Another obstacle thrown in his way. Couldn't get it done for whatever reason. Just couldn't get it done. Um, then he moved on to Money in the Bank, and he was this close to getting that briefcase. Wyatt got involved, and then his war with the Wyatts. I think what also helped him. And his character development was the fact that they had closely aligned him with a heavy fan favorite in Dean Ambrose. They do have that affiliation from being former Shield members together, but Ambrose is very, very popular with the with the with the audience these days. And I think associating Reigns and Ambrose together was a good move on their part to continue building up Reigns as the hero, which that's what they ultimately want. They want him to be the hero. They want him to be the beloved good guy. Um, they're looking at him as to be the next, I wouldn't say the next John Cena, but along those lines. And I think that they've done some, they've taken great steps in, like you said, rebranding him, really. And I do agree with you. I think there is going to be some kind of shenanigans or something that's going to, somebody's going to get involved that could potentially cost him the title. A lot of people are looking at Ambrose as that guy, um, and a full-fledged Dean Ambrose heel turn on Roman Reigns. I don't know if that's true. Um, I wouldn't bet the farm on it just yet. We'll have to see how this storyline plays out. Um, 
you know, in the, in the weeks leading up to Survivor Series, but we saw the, the interaction the two of them had last week, and the camera kind of panned to Ambrose, and he had alluded to all these opportunities slipping out of his fingers because somebody, of course, that's when the rumors of a Dean Ambrose heel turn came up. But I, 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 I'm just waiting to see how this story plays out. But I don't think Reigns, um, he's losing any momentum right now. His character is losing any momentum right now. Um, I think the audience is firmly behind him. I mean, that crowd popped huge in San Diego for him last week when he won that match. And then when he confronted Rollins, they were clearly behind him. So it's been it's been an up and, up and down year for his character. But towards the second half of the year, it's just got it's it's steadily progressed and it's gotten better for him. Agreed. And to be honest, with you, I mean, if you know the rumors are that they go in that direction where. Uh... Dean Ambrose is the guy that winds up costing him, uh, you know, his his championship match, and they and they move forward with the program uh, with the two of them. Uh, you know, Ambrose right now is is a character that, you know, I, I, it's funny, like he's he's kind of a you know a, a darling out there. You know, indie wrestling fans love him. I like Ambrose. I I don't love him. I'll be the first to tell you. I mean, I I think he's he's a unique character. Um, you know, he's got some unique moves in the ring. Um, at times, to be honest with you, I think he overdoes it with the facial expressions and it gets into a bit of mugging. It's, you know, I get it. You're, you're supposed to be a quirky kind of guy, but like, you know, didn't your mother say your face could freeze like that? I mean, it's, it's just, it gets to a point where every single facial expression just seems a bit contrived. Um, but I think he's a guy who, who desperately needs something and, Character-wise, again, like, I'm gonna—I'll put it out there. Like, I don't—I don't love him. I, I like him, but I think I could grow to love him as as a performer, seeing him really uh, entrenched in in just a hated heel kind of role uh, to really go go all out and being uh, just a you know badass, crazy psychopath kind of heel. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I, I just feel like they've uh, so far with uh, Dean Ambrose. Uh, they've kind of scratched the surface, maybe with the the level of talent. I think it's there. Uh, I, to me, just right now, I'm I'm not into him as a character. So uh, if that's the direction they they move into. Uh, I, I think it would be good for not only Reigns, but I think it'd be good for Ambrose as well. I I you know I mean I think Ambrose's character does need a little refreshing. However, I just think it's too obvious. You know what I mean? I really think it's too obvious. If if they went the route where, let's say, Ambrose was in Reigns' corner or he got involved in the match if the, like, the referee went down, or, like let's say, just for argument's sake, like J&J Security, they returned during the match and they helped Rollins you know, get one over on Ambrose and the referee's distracted or knocked out and Ambrose comes in to make the save and he goes to clean house but he accidentally nails Reigns with the chair and then you start the tension between the two of them and build off of that as opposed to just the quick, um, you know, come in and turn on your best friend for no particular reason other than just to be the champion. I think that, I think that idea has been done to death too. Um, uh, but I do, I do strongly believe that uh, all, all this interaction with Ambrose and Reigns and Rollins, they've been closely associated with each other in storylines throughout the better half of 2015, I truly believe that this is leading to the three of them at next year's WrestleMania for the title. Um, 
based off of what we've seen um, in 2015. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, it be interesting to see how exactly they they put that in play and put that whole match together and build it up. But, uh, you know, interesting stuff. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, I think you uh, kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, Ambrose's character kind of needs a, a, a refresher, uh, so to speak. So, you know, we'll see where they go with, with Ambrose um, as as we move forward uh, uh, with this uh, Reigns-Rollins feud. And it, it's pretty incredible, Dave, when you look at, like, you know, a faction like this that, uh, you know, with young guys, you know, not established stars. And, uh, you know, really and truly, I mean, you know, when Rollins eventually loses that title, I mean, especially, you know, the era we're living in, barring injuries, uh, you know, Rollins will have another run. Uh, you expect Reigns will have a run with the WWE title, if not multiple runs. Um, perhaps, maybe even Ambrose. But uh, it's it's pretty interesting to see what this faction uh, could wind up doing over the course of uh, the next few years. I mean, you know, twenty, thirty years from now, you're looking back on wrestling history, and uh, you know, you look at when the Shield started, and who knows. Uh, you know, the level of success that we're going to see uh, out of these three individuals. Uh, and it's, it's intriguing. Uh, you know, another faction, uh, again, young guys coming in, uh, putting a faction together. Uh, you know, you got to admire what Bray Wyatt has done. Um, I don't know if he his faction, uh, player for player, is going to have the same sort of success as we're going to see out of the Shield. But uh, Glad they're back together. Glad it's it's back to being a faction. I think the whole thing works. They got a, a new member, and now they're they're going forth and they're taking apart the Brothers of Destruction. Um, you know, WWE.com had a thing. Uh, you know, they were talking about on SmackDown that uh, speculating almost that you know maybe they brought the the Brothers of Destruction into the fold because they uh, they took possession of their souls and absorbed their power. So. Uh, I still think this is going to lead to a reunion of the Brothers of Destruction against the Wyatts, but they're speculating uh, that maybe they've they've joined the Wyatts. But, you know, Bray's a guy that you can slot him in in a lot of different spots on your card, and he'll he'll make it work wherever. Uh, Still a great promo guy. And, uh, you know, it's cool, Dave, because, you know, back in the day, a lot of wrestling had a lot of hokey storylines and everything. And uh, as time went on, they kind of, steered clear of those things uh a little hokey uh you know it's it's got that that hokey kind of feel to it but i'm enjoying it i enjoy bray whenever he's got a, a mic in his hand um you know he is one of those type characters that doesn't really need a championship belt i think he'll get one at some point but uh he doesn't need it i mean how he's the eater of worlds you know he doesn't he doesn't need a title man a title uh belt around his waist, nor would that character that would you think would care about having a a title around his waist. Um, But I'm kind of intrigued exactly where they're going to go with with this storyline, and uh, interesting that The Undertaker uh, is still relevant as far as uh, storytelling right now in the WWE. I I personally like the storyline myself. I was reading a blog with Jim Ross uh, this past week, and uh, he made a great point. Um, he, He said you know, it, it, it's it's a good story so far. However, um, what would be what would be better and would be beneficial for all parties involved if one of the younger talents on the roster were to have come to the aid of Undertaker at the end of Hell in a Cell 
and then he's the foil for the Wyatts because the Wyatts are not going to work with Undertaker every week leading up to Survivor Series. So whoever this individual would have, you know, would or could have been would have been put in a good position to get a rub of not only helping the respected, beaten veteran, the Undertaker, but also working with the talented Wyatt group as well. Um, I, I, I see this being led... I see this leading towards a classic Survivor Series match between the Wyatts against Undertaker, Kane, and whoever else decides to join them. Um, I find it fitting that, you know, this year's Survivor Series is celebrating 25 years of The Undertaker, and, uh, you know, Undertaker made his debut in a classic Survivor Series elimination match. Hartford, Connecticut, as Mike Ferrara had mentioned last week on this show, my hometown. 1990, November of 1990, he was the mystery partner for the Million Dollar Team. How fitting would it be if Undertaker had assembled a team and there was a mystery partner on his team helping him face off against the Wyatts and it was a a, a young talent, somebody that could use the rub, somebody that could really, that, that they're really serious about pushing, somebody who is very talented and somebody that just, they see a lot in their future with. And that person I'm referring to is NXT's Finn Balor, the demon Finn Balor, um, the NXT heavyweight champion. Wouldn't it be a good rub for a guy like him to be a mystery partner and join the Undertaker's team uh, to face off against the Wyatt at Survivor Series and really help jumpstart him either on the main roster or even further in NXT and really kind of associate his appearance on Undertaker's team with the NXT brand and almost kind of cross-promote that maybe. Um, I think that would be something that would be very interesting to, to, to put together. I hope it's not a whole bunch of veterans based off against the Wyatt. I hope there's some young talent that's going to be involved in that that's going to get a rub out of that um, that's on Undertaker's team. Who knows? Time will tell. But um, that's just my fantasy booking cap that I put on for for that particular match. No, it's definitely a good choice because when you, when you get into and that's that's part of it when you get into um, like storylines like this that that involve uh, you know uh, mystery and and otherworldly type things and and stealing souls and eating worlds. You know, it's it's tough to kind of you know insert people that would would work now. You know, a guy that that could have, but I, I, I'm 90% sure they're not moving that direction. That you know, that could have helped Taker would have made sense. Uh, could have been Roman Reigns because he just had a program with with Bray Wyatt. Uh, he's got beef there, so that would make sense. Finn Balor, uh, if you're going to go in a different direction, is it, perfect. Is a perfect uh, character to uh, help the Brothers of Destruction. Uh, you know, do they bring him in at some point to? Uh, you know, beforehand, or does he wind up being a mystery uh, partner where it looks like it's going to be some sort of handicap match and uh, Finn Balor's uh, music hits and he comes down? Um, Who knows? But that's a thing that's that's intriguing when you have a storyline like this. Like, who makes sense? You know, know, when you're looking at the roster, it's like, uh, you know, Cesaro could use a rub. Cesaro, I don't know if he makes sense in that sort of storytelling. Uh, you know, a guy like Ryback could use something, but does he make sense in that sort of storyline? Um, but a guy like Finn Balor slotting him in there uh, definitely makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, 
Maybe they can find where, what the boogeyman's doing these days and drag his ass back to the WWE for this match. I don't know. I mean, that, that would be. I was. I was never a big boogeyman fan. So I'll, I. Get the boogeyman I'll, and Papa Shango back. Not Papa Shango. That's a different story. Papa Shango made the Ultimate Warrior throw up, and I thought that was pretty cool as a kid. So you, you can bring Papa Shango back, but not the boogeyman. But it, it didn't like. I mean, I think Finn Balor is a good, a good choice. But is there? Any, I mean, you know, I threw out a couple. Is there anyone else on the roster, like a young guy, that you would? Throw in there. I mean, if they were going to do a, say, a four on four, uh, or even a five on five, like who else? I mean, Finn Balor makes sense. Uh, who else you throw on Team Taker? Um, well, if he wasn't injured, I mean, Randy Orton, just because of the fact that he's he he has that that rivalry with the Wyatts, um, and you know, in the storyline, it was suggested that the Wyatts had injured him, but it looks like he's going to be out for a little while. Um, a name that we that you and I both brought up, and we almost bet the farm on that he was going to face John Cena at Hell in a Cell was Daniel Bryan. Um, Daniel Bryan once had a rivalry with the Wyatts. He was once a member of the Wyatt family um, for a brief two weeks, and uh, he got out of that spell and became, you know, and, and he became one of their, you know, hated adversaries. Uh, he's also got a history with Kane as a part of Team Hell No. Um, it would be an interesting surprise and a good way to kind of reintroduce him to storyline. Uh, he once tagged with Undertaker and Daniel Bryan and Kane against the Shield a few years ago. Um, you, you and I were in the arena that night, as in uh, the night after WrestleMania, when uh, him and Kane helped Undertaker fend off the Shield, and then a few weeks later they had a match on Raw, um, a great six-man tag, and they just seemed to work well together. Maybe Bryan gets slotted into this role. Um, as you know, one of their partners. Who knows? But um, it's definitely going to be the main focal point. It wouldn't surprise me if it was the main event of the show. And uh, but like I said, how ironic would it be that like you know Undertaker debuted 25 years ago in a classic Survivor Series match, and that at, from that point on his career took off, and you know in in places we never thought it could go. And you put somebody in a slot like that, him kind of almost passing the torch in that same kind of position, that same kind of role. I think a Finn Balor would work um, along those lines that could really use the rub. Agreed. It should be interesting to see how this unfolds and how, you know, again, like Bray Wyatt, just the the, the perfect guy to, uh, you know, be out there cutting promos uh, to to carry a a program on his own. You know, it would be interesting to see how exactly this unfolds. you know, right now on uh, the WWE Network, as uh, the, the the pre their pre show is going on, um, wish I could hear what they're saying. But Cesaro and uh, the Miz are having some sort of exchange. And uh, you know, again, the good thing about a Survivor Series is, as you you know, hopefully there's a at least a couple of um, traditional Survivor Series matchups. Uh, it does give you an opportunity to uh, hopefully uh, bring you know a lot of people on the card and, and get them, you know, into a pay-per-view. But uh, I'm looking at these two uh, talking to each other, and I, I don't, I'm just purely speculating. Um, I don't know. Maybe we see a Team Miz versus uh, Team Cesaro. I'm trying to read, like, the closed captioning here. They haven't said anything about the team. So I'm just I'm spitballing here. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see uh, something here where, uh, you know, hopefully tonight maybe we get uh, – at least one, Dave, and hopefully we get uh, either uh, 
two captains or perhaps uh, an entire match or two uh, set up uh, that are traditional Survivor Series matches? If tonight we see multiple Survivor Series matches start to get built or formed or whatever, if we see tonight the beginning stages of multiple Survivor Series you know, elimination matches announced on Raw, then it's living proof that the people over in Stamford, Connecticut, are listening to what we have to say. They, we know we know they're listening now. They're they're listening to to everything that that we're saying. Is they they just take all our ideas. We 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 need to be working there. <laughs> we need to get big. We should. I mean, come on. Like, wouldn't this should be on the network? Our podcast is better than Stone Cold's. And I bet we would we would do it for a fraction of of the money that they're they're paying. They would get a better product, and they'd be saving money on us, Dave. I just think they're missing the boat. Well, considering the uh, the snooze fest that 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 last podcast he did with Brock Lesnar, where they talked about what kind of what kind of guns they like to hunt with, and what kind of animals they like to shoot, and you know. What kind of trucks they like to drive? I thought I was watching like the the, the Redneck Channel, like the hey, oh, yeah. cool of them. No, Steve, Steve forgot where he was. He thought he was on Redneck Island. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot he does that show too. Christ, it was like it, it was like what what next? They're gonna ask each other what kind of camouflage boxer shorts they both wear. <laughs> like it was, it was just it, like I wanted to hear the hard hitting questions. He was like. So let me ask you, what kind of gun do you shoot? What kind of caliber? How many bullets? What size of the bullets are they? What kind of bow and arrow you like to shoot your deer with? I'm like, Steve, shut the hell up. Like, <laughs> asking the real question. You know what I mean? And Brock Lesnar, he's such a boring interview to begin with. Like, that's why they put Paul Heyman with him. Like, they should have had Heyman answering the questions for him on the podcast. Yeah, they should have. That would have been, been more entertaining. Yeah, I told you. I mean, Austin's like one of those guys where, like, you know, he'll cut a promo for his podcast, and it'll be like, because you know I'm stone cold, and I'll go ask the hard-hitting questions, and you, and that's the bottom line. It's like, oh, and then it's like, you know, I mean, the first podcast I listened to, and then I put my damn oatmeal in the freezer, and I left my oatmeal there. I'm like, Jesus Christ, he spent like 20 minutes on his oatmeal. So. No, 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 that is nothing, okay? That is nothing. I listened to one podcast he did with Kevin Nash, and they had a conversation about the the amount of toilet paper each one uses in their household, okay? That was probably the funniest podcast I ever heard of his, him and Kevin Nash going back and forth about toilet paper and toilet paper usage. That's one podcast you have to get, you, you have to listen to. It's like it's probably like a year old, but go back and listen to it. It was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, it's like the part of the problem with, with his podcast and, you know, you, you always, and I'm not saying we succeed every time, but you got to look at it as like it's a performance. You're looking to entertain people, and, and you're looking to put on a, a good show and then dissect things and give opinions. And, you know, we have guests on. We, we try to ask those questions to get them to, to tell us some stories. And if they're not telling us stories, we'll flat out say, you know, could you tell us a story about something in the back? You know, there's always – I know, like, on interviews, we're always like, do you have an Iron Sheet question? Uh, an Iron Cheek story. Um, I feel like sometimes with Stone Cold, you know, he can be a really good podcast host. But sometimes his his shows just evolve or devolve, depending on how you want to look at it, as just two guys hanging out in the locker room bullshitting. 
and it, it, it ceases to be a show, and it's just kind of like, you know, you're sitting in a locker room, and two wrestlers are talking, and you're kind of like sitting on the bench next to them, eavesdropping, and and sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's a lot of inane uh, conversation. Yeah, like, and I, I listened to part of the uh, podcast with Lesnar, and I had heard so much criticism about how boring it was, and I was bored with the uh, limited amount I listened to. I was like, you know what, I'm not going to bother. Um, you know, other podcasts, I mean, Austin's, to me, is hit or miss. I think Jericho and uh, JR's are, are incredible. I think they're, it's rare that they give you a clunker. Uh, but Stone Cold, it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, you can sometimes you get the hard-hitting questions, and sometimes it's uh, toilet paper and oatmeal. Toilet paper and oatmeal. That's what you should call his next show. The Toilet Paper and Oatmeal <laughs> Podcast, presented by Stone Cold Steve Austin. He could talk about how he ate his frozen oatmeal, and then he had to shit it out and wipe his ass with toilet paper. That's going to be his next T-shirt. On uh, What's his toilet T-shirt on? ProWrestlingTees.com? <laughs> I stomped the oat mud and walked it and, and wiped it dry. <laughs> Wow, we really Let's jumped the shark tonight, paper. haven't we? What was that? We really jumped the shark tonight. So we're talking bit, about how bad we've lost the podcast. We're vamping. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, man, because, like, you know, there's so many podcasts out there now, and then the uh, the game is getting uh, a little bit congested. As, uh, let's see, the Bray Wyatt, uh, yeah, Bray Wyatt is eating the souls of Taker and Kane. That's uh, just on the, the WWE pre-show, and uh, this can't happen, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Let's get back to our our poll question because we are out here. We're trying to figure out what is the greatest uh, elimination tag team match of all time. And uh, as we move forward, we we actually have uh, we got a couple votes, both for different matches. So I guess we're on the on the verge of of eliminating the other three, but we still have a tie for uh, that final spot on the top five, Dave. Yeah, currently right now there's there's a vote for. Team Austin versus Team Bischoff from 2003, and a vote for the 20-man tag, the the, the 10 teams uh, that were involved in 1988, Demolition captained one team, and on the other side was a team captained by the Powers of Pain. Yeah, that's a tough choice, though, too. I mean, I, I you know, I, I I got a soft spot for the old school. I got to be honest, I got to watch the uh, Bischoff-Austin match again. Um, but I'm hearing a lot of, you know, I mean, I kind of remember it, but I don't remember the, the, the greatness of it. And our, our friend Mike Riker, uh, Rant Sports blogger from RantSports.com, uh, you know, not only a Survivor Series match, but he said one of the most underrated wrestling matches, period, of all time. Uh, so, you know, who knows? I mean, we'll keep it open. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to break the tie. We will break that tie if we don't get enough votes. So, uh, you know, get your friends, share the post, uh, get your votes in. We will have our definitive uh, top five as we move forward into the month of November to determine which, in fact, was the greatest uh, elimination tag match of all time, uh, according to 1640. So good stuff. Get on our Facebook. Vote, vote, vote. And uh, we'll determine our, our top five uh, that are going to go forward to vie for the top match of all time in Survivor Series elimination history. One of the things coming up tonight, also on Monday Night Raw, we're getting another fatal four-way. Uh, this one, uh, 
from the ladies to determine a number one contender for the Divas Championship. Uh, again, Dave, we talked about it a lot. And I, and I guess that as a whole, it's a good thing that we're talking about the, the Divas. We're talking about ladies wrestling. Uh, however, uh, the, the revolution, as it was uh, named, uh, to me, it's been uh, inconsistent at best, kind of starting and stopping. Um, I don't know. I mean, this should be an entertaining matchup tonight. Uh, get our number one contender. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if it's not Paige, but who knows. Um, but uh, your thoughts on uh, what we're going to see tonight out of the Divas division? You know, looking back uh, the past week and, you know, the, the, the involvement the girls have had on the show, it should come just to no surprise that it looks like they are gearing up for a Paige-Charlotte rivalry. However, um, Sasha Banks got some pretty decent screen time on SmackDown um, last week by attacking Natalia. I don't know if that's going to lead to a match with her and Natalia Survivor Series or if you if they are foreshadowing um, her getting an opportunity at the Divas Championship at Survivor Series because she's going to be involved in this fatal four-way with Becky Lynch, Paige, and uh, Brie Bella. Uh, but it should be a pretty good match. The three out of the four girls have wrestled each other. They know each other very well, and they can put on a hell of a match. And Brie's not that bad. She's not great, but she's not that bad either. Um, so I, I expect to see a pretty good match if given the proper amount of time. I would actually like to see Sasha Banks win this match and uh, kind of prolong, maybe build up some more heat with Paige that she's you know, not getting an opportunity at the title. It just seems too predictable that she's going to win this. Um, maybe this is where, you know, Paige just kind of like blows up and like kind of tears through the Divas division after losing this opportunity at the Divas title in this number one contender's fatal four-way match. Um, and then maybe like next month she can get another opportunity at the title. But, um, yeah, hoping, hoping and expecting to see a pretty good match between these girls. And I agree with you, cause especially coming off of last week where, again, kick-ass uh, match to end Raw. Um, but as far as the suspense factor, uh, it really wasn't there. Uh, so when I look at this match to, to determine a number one contender for the Divas Championship, I, I'd like to see something different. I, you know, yeah, if you're a betting man, you're probably going to bet on Paige, but it, it is such an obvious choice. Um, you know, personally, not anything against Paige, but I'd almost like to see uh, anybody else but Paige, just uh, because I think it would be a surprise. I think it would be something uh, interesting. Um, maybe not having Bree in the mix, because uh, we don't need another Bella there, but Sasha would be interesting, and, and Becky Lynch uh, winning, you know, going up against her friend, uh, that could be something intriguing, so... I'm just hoping at this point that we get an entertaining match, uh, but it's not uh, a predictable match. Um, so we'll see what happens in this uh, fatal four-way. Uh, I just completely just lost my train of thought. We're going off the – oh, it's the Met hangover. I'm just uh, – my brain is mush right now. Uh, anyway, yeah, so as we have just a couple minutes left in, in this show and uh, – uh, we go forward, you know, it's amazing that, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get another, I'm excited that Del Rio's back. We get, hopefully we get another decent, uh, U S title match. It's amazing when you leave the WWE for a little while and you don't have to answer to, uh, the wellness policy, uh, how great you can look up uh, physique wise, uh, when you come back in the fold, but he's definitely a guy, Dave, you know, he had some juice to the roster. Uh, I'm really glad that he's back. 
I am glad he's back, too. I, I always liked his character. I thought it worked well, and he did a good job, and he worked hard, and he had some pretty damn good matches. But whatever creative threw at him, and sometimes things just didn't stick. And um, I thought sometimes he didn't get a fair shake. And uh, But I'm glad he's back now, and I'm, I'm kind of digging this whole thing with him and Coulter. I didn't really – I was kind of thrown off by it, you know, last week, but after watching it further, I'm like, I'm kind of digging this, you know. It's, it's a little different, but it's working. I don't know what about it that's making it work for me so far, but their association together is just working. It just seems to fit good. So I'm really glad he's back in the fold, and honestly – WWE has felt since, you know, Rey Mysterio has departed and even, you know, since Del Rio departed that they were looking for a, a Latin star to be the, the, the face of that demographic that watches WWE programming. And it looks like he's going to be it right now. Um, and he's still got a lot left in the tank. It's in-ring wise. So I'm, I'm definitely glad he's back. And I'm looking forward to some of the fresh matchups on the roster that could work well with him. Yeah, I mean, and again, he's definitely a guy that just he adds juice. You know, he's just he's that guy. You know, you need that that mid card uh, to to hold it down. He's definitely, uh, you know, a guy that you you know you, you want on on the roster. So it's it's good to see him back. As we're uh, just about a minute away from uh, ending this show tonight, as uh, we've been tallying the votes and uh, trying to come up with a definitive uh, top five here, and we need a a fifth. Uh, in there, and we we're trying to break the tie. So, uh, Dave, I'll uh, I'll go to you. Do we have actually a uh, a definitive uh, tiebreaker? We do not have a definitive tiebreaker as of this moment. All right. Well, stay tuned to the Facebook page. That is facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. We will be posting. Uh, Unless you want to break that tie right now. Should we break it right now? What match would you like to see as the fifth and final match? in the 1640 Classic Survivor Series Eliminations Power Rankings for 1640. You know what? I would love to check out the Facebook because we got 10 seconds left. We're going to leave you in suspense. Check out Facebook. We'll give it to you. For Dave, I'm Ken. Good night, everybody. <laughs>